0: Recorded live in Manhattan's East Village at St. Mark's Church in the Bowery, this is The Poetry Project. Jibbs' devoted audiences only continue to grow beyond downtown performance to include comedy, um, the Brooklyn Academy of Music, BAM, where Jibbs has a show on October 17th. I hope that's the right date, yes? Great. And, of course, the internet, uh, where her video art and performance is amply documented to twist whatever version of reality is happening around your computer screen. Cameron is a master of a sensibility that is both consistent, but always weirder and more surprising than you could ever imagine. Her brain is wired to glean the figurative gems from the dollar bin at the thrift store. Cameron's performances explore the realm of the epic. Past work has included Hell in a Handbag, a Dante's Inferno Redux, Vertigo about a diner waitress in space, and the scriptural read from Tonight's Soggy Glasses, a feminist redux of Homer's Odyssey. The range of voices that nudge their way through isolation come to shower us, the lucky audiences, like catharsis candy. One thing you might find online on Mocha TV is Dynasty Handbag's recent music video, which narrates a US drone dropper somewhere out west playing their video game all day and getting very hungry. Many of D-bag productions feature print collage backdrops with explosions of fantastic oddity, and in an off-pitch soothing tone is Jib singing with an oversized pencil as a microphone or a magic wand vibrator or a mostly eaten fat carrot on a stick. Or even a teeny tiny banana peeled and swaying by the hands as Dynasty handbag swings from a paper cut chandelier. Costuming is one thing and so are the small pieces of language that get stuck in our teeth. I was so delighted when rolling over the subject heading depression on Jibs' homepage when the embedded word press becomes hot pink and I click on it to find all these newspapers and magazines freaking out about how amazing Dynasty Handbag is. The elastic details of humor seem endless with Jibs. I have spent many a moments gazing into her Instagram feed on which she even posted a poem today that she'll read from tonight and i scroll through the pictures convinced anything jib's touches is poetic matter a slice of pizza on the street folded up coily by its lip with some fake hair tucked in or sweet tamarins spooning each other inside packaging or an ad for the tokini in which dynasty handbag has to say thank god tokini season is coming to an end please help me in welcoming jib's cameron
1: performance artist, so I like to be physical. That was my joy (laughs) that you just saw. Um, That was really great. Thanks for that introduction. I just brought my bag up because I have some props. Just in case things get really boring up here. (laughs) This is a gift. Uh, Feels appropriate. I also have a telephone, in case anyone good calls. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, it's really nice to be here. I'm honored. This is like, yeah, this is really exciting. This is not really my, um, you know, I don't do these kinds of readings very often. And I know it's not, you know, so, uh, serious, but I'm gonna try to, you know, I printed things out, which was a good move, I think, because um, I've been to readings, and I remembered what they did at them, and, you know, go with what you know. Uh, boy, I'm a little nervous, um, I'd rather just be in the leotard leaping around instead of, okay, so, um, actually, I'm gonna read, I wrote I wrote some poems, I think I wrote five in the last two years. I'm gonna read them all. (laughs) Um, And uh, since it's fall, I thought, and this is the opening of the fall season here, um, it's a horrible time in New York City. (sighs) so exhausting. Um, I decided I would open with that one. so I'm going to read some poems and um, feel judged. It's cool. Um, and then I'm going to read some something from my new script that I'm writing, which is I've never done before. Um, and that's for a, a live performance I'm doing at BAM. So this is going to be weird for me to take text and just present it outside of my if, if you will. <laughs> Um, so you'll have to go on a journey in your imagination with me. Ah, um, but wow, what an intro that I was I feel I feel good right now. I feel good about myself. <laughs> um, my auntie's here, a poet, Jill Miller, and um, some pals. I forget your names, but um <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so this first one is called The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot by Dynasty Handbag, Fall Edition. So that's my persona name, but it's actually, I'm the same person. It's not, there's not really any difference. Okay, September is the cruelest month, breeding, calendar, obligations, back to school is hell, heterosexual couples mating memory and desire, stirring desperate city squirrels filling cheeks with acorn-shaped trash. The agendas filling up time to think about what kind of boots to buy, art shows, and bullshit. Fall preview reads, more time gone by and you are still nothing. TV's fall season, oh you, time sucker, binge watcher, Isolator in your isotoners. Lonely toners. Summer was fun, yo. Popsicles. Maybe you went to Fire Island. Grilling. You were nude. Now the trees will be. <sighs> That's good. Earth was in a hot hangout. Now go back inside, child, and die. Our pumpkins will rot, and then it will be winter die again. Yeah, thank you. Um... Now I'll read the other Wasteland by T.S. Eliot by Dynasty Handbag, uh, spring edition. Okay, April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing old doggy doo-doo bags that have thawed through the greasy snow, memory and desire stirring dull roots with spring acid rain that makes dull, oh wait, Winter kept us warm, covering with Netflix, soup and or stew, and self-pity and complaining-slash-bonding. Earth and forgetful snow that covers this filthy town with pure whiteness. Weird thing to say? Feeding a little life with dried tubers. What rhymes with tubers? Lubbers, MacGrubers, Studebakers. Actually, I know that one's that one's excellent. Just checking my phone. I'm not really I just want to time my I'm so paranoid about taking up too much time and space. That was about five minutes, right? Thanks. I just wanted some approval right now. Um okay. This is a poem I wrote upon returning from uh being out in the wilderness since the summer and I think my first excursion, summer excursion, was to uh, Fort Tilden Beach. Um, It was pretty depressing. There was an oil rig out there, uh, and these weird blobby, like, jellyfish eggs. (laughs) Okay. This is called An Oily Day at Fort Tilden, and Poem. Living in this world is no day at the beach. But when I went to the beach and I oiled up, I saw an oil down, down in the ground, which made me frowned. What's on the horizon, you ask your future? A riggy in the water penetrating Neptune's sandy bottom. How I wish I could mount that screw, top that, blow it up with mine eyes my tan seemed sub- my my tan seemed suddenly dumb and the water was full of bubble tea blobs or were they eggs rubbing upon my legs <laughs> or the spawn of Armageddon and on and on as i just as I departed, I espied some protesters. Bless their hearts. It's not going to work, guys. <laughs> but I appreciate it. I would join with you, but I have to pee, and I'm going out for kimchi tacos. Thank you. Uh, oh, I. Yeah, so I forgot to print out the one, this one really good one uh, out of the five. Um, This was my 4th of July poem that I wrote when I was in New Hampshire this summer. It's called, I and America and Poem. Celebrate independence today. Unless you are still dependent on your depends, which depends for a lot of people with incontinence, but our continents are free from the dependence on the UK, but not the P-U-K-E of the same old bile isle that our forefathers, John, Paul, George, and Dingo, and on to the Australia and its own incontinent brought from over there. If you still depend on your old ways, that's okay. Freedom isn't fui; free. it's widening down a fui way without a helmet. Live fui or die, live fui and die because you're not wearing a helmet. I know, that was excellent. (laughs) Uh, And then, um, this is like, this is how it's done, right? Do people talk more in between? Usually? Like banter? Because I'm really good at that. (laughs) But I'm trying to be. Put on my good shirt. Here, I'll show you my shirt. You guys clap a lot. Um, okay, this is a poem I wrote about Kickstarter. I am having I am in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign. Don't do it. <laughs> um, anyway, if you want to donate like <laughs> you can you know where to find it, right? Um, I'm in that lull in between like the hard impact the high-impact gentrification of Kickstarter, and then it's like this lull, and then it's, you know, the, then you have to get desperate. So I'm, I'm not quite desperate yet, but I will be soon. Okay. I like it because it's subtle in here. that felt like a good addition. Okay, this is about Kickstarter. I was feeling sad this morning about it. Dear fans, an ode, ode to you. You like me, I like you. Here is what you can do. Giveth me $10 each, then I can make my crowd-squeezing goal, which leads me to a Kickstarter poem. Oh, Kickstarter, why are you a lady so cruel? A fraught relationship. Good thing I'm into humiliation. Ego goes up and down according to your stock exchange. I wish I could exchange for a magic art pill or a magic bean that turns into a stock or stock in Amazon.com, which owns Kickstarter and my soul. Amazon aids my isolation, makes me less an Amazon woman, more of a lethargic skin sack. Here, here, here is my money. Thanks for the money, but here is my money. (laughs) Can we exchange beans or shells instead of making a shell of me instead and my rotten bean my head but also thank you for donating to my Kickstarter (laughs) I'm pleased to give the stock you are exchanging is an investment in mine and mine country men's and women's rent to repair the rents in my soul that are made by Kickstarter campaign. I knew you would know what a rent a rent was in the that sense. Um, okay, now I'm now I'm getting now I'm really nervous because I gotta read from the script. So I'll just give you a little bit of um background on this uh thing. So um I perform his dynasty handbag. We all know that. <laughs> um and uh and this this piece I'm writing for um Yes, it's in three weeks. No, it is not finished. Um, it, in, uh, at BAM for the Next Wave Festival, is uh, it's called Soggy Glasses, A Homo's Odyssey. And it's um, based on uh, the monomyth or the hero journey. Um, you know, you can look it up, whatever. <laughs> You've seen it before. And uh, so Dynasty Handbag goes on this journey. It's kicked off by this, like, prophetic rat in a subway, but it's really a subway sandwich place, where so she gets a sandwich, and there's the sandwich comes in a boat, and then there's a flood, and then she gets on the sandwich boat, and then she goes into her vagina, and then it's the journey through there, and there's a cyclops at the cave, the entrance of the vagina cave, and then she gets into pay hey, attention, and then she gets into, and then from the vagina, she goes up into the intestines, so the journey is really into her own self, the self, the self, the self, 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 that's all we, that's all we care about, really, admit it, and, um, and then when she f- gets through the intestines, there's a snake that comes up, and the snake, you know, because of the snakey intestines, <laughs> I, don't, I know, that's, that's genius. Um, uh, it's actually in a, her internal artist colony, Um, so I'm going to start with I mean I don't know how this is going to go I'm just going to read and say then this guy says this then I say that or I don't know how it's done it's just like it's just wild tonight in here (laughs) okay I'm really nervous good thing I wear this polyester shirt um I'm single, actually. Okay. So I get there, or the character gets there. Uh, Okay, where exactly am I? I need to get here. She shows the snake a map with a brain. That's where I need to go. The snake says, you are in your intestines otherwise known as Internal Artists' Colony. You'll be here until you make something incredible, but no pressure. Have fun, good luck with your work. Snakes takes Dynasty Handbag to her studio. She passes by various artist snakes, wearing bow ties, hats, wigs, etc. They all kind of say hi while she walks by.
2: Hi,
1: hello, hello. nice to meet you, hello, welcome. And then they get to the studio, and she says, wait, don't leave me here. What am I supposed to do? Make something totally amazing. Then you can leave dinner at 6.30. (laughs) For anyone who doesn't know what it's like to be at an artist colony, I will tell you a little about it. Okay, you be me, and I'll be the artist colony. No, wait. I'll be me, and you be the, how about we all be the artist colony fighting each other? It's like this. This is what you have to say a lot. <clears throat> hi, hi, yeah, um, yeah, jibs, jibs, jibs. Like ribs, but with a J. Um, what's that? Oh, performance art, <clears> hmm, <throat> um, yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn, yeah, I know, we all live in Brooklyn. <laughs> Um. Hmm? Oh, my name. Yeah. Um. Cal- from California. Hippie parents. You know. <laughs> well. See you at dinner. <laughs> um. I'm of two minds concerning the artist colony. Actually, no. I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm of one mind. That one mind believes it is a wretched social experiment that throws together insecure, attention-starved, dysfunctional, egomaniacs. including myself, a great opportunity to get stuck in your past, really revel in your old accomplishments, sorrows, and lives unlived. Or even better, lived and no longer living. You get to suss out the pecking order of the more accomplished artists and writers. I like to Google everyone and then decide if I should be nicer to them or avoid them because they have yet to win any awards. Of course, that is what I'm suspicious of everyone else doing. They're all Googling me, either because they love me or they hate me. God forbid, they may not be thinking about me at all. They're all in their studios, actually, not thinking about me. I should go to my studio. to my studio. It's more, it's like a shitty shit room. Because I'm in my intestines. Um, Fuck, this place is shitty. Ha ha. Perhaps this is the end of the show and I should get shot out of my own asshole and be done with it. I never have any good ideas anyway. My shit sucks, I suck. I've wasted too much time doing nothing. I wish I'd done this and I wish I'd done that, but an activist, went to college earlier, wasn't such a slut when I was younger, helped more, was less fucked up, went to more marches, more feminist cinema, more political art, saw that person or that person. Okay, stop it, just get to work. Where's my pencil? And then I dig into my fanny pack where I find the book that I had previously in in the beginning of the show. She finds a a copy of, what's it called? The Time Traveler's Pants Odyssey. (laughs) Uh, She looks at it like she has an idea, starts to open it, to read it, decides against it, just reads the back. Hmm. I don't relate to any of this. Maybe I can just work in metaphors. Pinafore for your metaphor. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha Title, start with the title first. The hero's journey and how it will denigrates the very fibers of democracy. The homo monomyth, queering the cyclops. Dynasty handbag will set forth on the adventure through a cave, a vagina naturally, a cave into the what, the what, the self, the self, right? Another performance piece about the self. I mean, that's all I know about, so right? So fuck it, who can I blame me? But how do I get there, how do I start? I haven't a wife waiting at home, I haven't a son, I haven't any real things at all. Exactly, oh god, I'm a failure. Shit, here we go again. Days go by in the solitude of the artist's weird studio in the woods staring into the void, making feeble attempts at exciting work. Unable to move forward, stuck in the stories of the past, she lays away- She lays down for a nap. She naps the nap of the escapee. She awakens disoriented and spaced out and wanting candy. <laughs> Let's just act as if I really were an artist. What would an artist do? W-W-A-A-D, wad. What would an artist do? She thinks about, you know, artists, <laughs> and decides to commune with nature, get inspired. The artist takes, a, the artist takes a walk to a nearby pond in the woods. She hopes to receive some of Mother Nature's inspiration. Ooh, maybe I will see a turtle, or oh my God, a mighty beaver. Nary a doubt that the f- wonder of nature will. F- Invoke, <laughs> invoke a flame of creative fire! <laughs> and then there's a stage direction that I leap. Um, okay. uh, just Alas, the muddy oval was home to scads of unexciting animal life, water skeeters and polywogs. Nothing thrilling, unsatisfied and still uninspired. She trudges back to her lonely studio looking forward to crunching away at the remainder of her carrot sticks and more staring into space, feeling inadequate. Suddenly, she feels a whoosh of wind against the back of her neck. Yow! Oops, timer's done. Okay, thank you, guys. (laughs) Just kidding, I'm going to keep going. I I really, I'm not done. I'm going to (laughs) finish. Oh, this is a joke. I don't know. This is weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, she feels a way of should win. Are you guys with me? We're in the forest. We're getting inspired. Whoosh should win. Yow. She looked around and saw an enormous gray goshawk espying her from a nearby tree. Ka ka she cried angrily. Oops, I'm sorry. I'm leaving. I didn't mean to disturb you. But that did not calm the bird. In fact, it may have made the situation worse. Who is she to think a bird speaks her language? What privilege For all she knows, she could have been saying, I'm coming for your children. (laughs) The hawk dive bombs Dynasty handbag and chases her through the woods. She gets back to her cabin and slams the door. Panting, she looks out the window to see that the bird is watching her, making sure she stays put. All right, then she freaks out, blah, blah, blah. Tries to figure out what this means. Um. I'll start here. Maybe I'm triggered because I have mommy issues. Maybe I want to have a mommy that attacks on my behalf. Maybe I just want to stay home in a warm nest with mama, where if there is anything around that may threaten my existence, she would fight it off. Bear, fox, drug dealer, rapist, bully, cold weather, rejection letters from foundations and other residencies. And when I'm ready to go off into the world, she would bravely nudge me and let me fly free, secure in the knowledge that I have the tools I need to make it. I also would have a daddy because hawks made for life. A cozy nest. Thank you, Mau Mau. Or maybe the hawk is about my relationship's romantic, psychosexual ones. She's telling me run, run, run from the predatory skanks that chase you down and keep running. Oh no, I tripped. Uh oh, now I'm gonna get fucked. <laughs> Oh no, don't, fuck me, don't, oh no, I'm a victim, my favorite thing to be, but ladies don't get me wrong, I can be a hawk for you too, I can be your power animal, you like it stalkery, it's a deal, I'll start, no you go first, no you, no you, I mean, no, Don't be that way. Just wait a minute now. Come on. Come on now, baby. So after I get through, or the character gets through (laughs) this whole tumultuous shit going on inside, I'm just gonna read you one paragraph from um, The Glorious uh, Adventure. I don't know where it's gonna go quite yet in the script, but this is when she's seeing herself from the outside. Maybe inside her own body, out her own eyes, into a mirror that's looking back at her. <laughs> like, in real life. <laughs> okay. Hello, expanding waistline, you're a miracle. You have made room for the growing of Bebe. Thank you for that. I am a woman, I love this woman's body. And what about you, outer thighs, glorious, sturdy, wide berth, with which to support said baby if I so choose to do that kind of thing, which I won't? But isn't it equally amazing that I could? And you, boobs, I love you both equally. We love you, too. We love you, too. Mama, do you still love me even though I am longer than her and point downward with my nipple? Yes, I do. I love you the same. Mama my, my dear, even though, even though she has all parts, a silky hair growing out of her, you love me the same. Yes, I do. Wonderful body. Wait, whose voice am I now? Um, yes, I love you both. Wonderful body, all parts that equal the whole and every whole and every hair, even me, even though I'm gray only means you are more experienced. That's it, thank you. I have a brochure for the show on the table back there. So, yeah, bye.
0: That was amazing. (laughs) Yes. I'm gonna have like a laugh attack now. Um, Banu Kapil's writing is the access point to raw states. Her many books and performances feature the energy of how something gets written or inspired. Every piece of information has a personhood to unravel where vast planes of time collapse like a traveling accordion file folder. Banu is not afraid of sorrow and confusion and then some sharp joys or distractions. Her work also contains robust obsessions. One obsession of Banu's writing, which I was very tempted towards in this introduction, is introductory remarks. They're endless. And what are titled in her newest book, Bon, which is almost out from Night Boat, 13 um, Errors for Bon, a Preface, Ash, a Score where we meet lists within lists. Banu is a tour guide through a meat forest that is far from intuitive. End notes, another um, subject heading within the preface, factor in early as number four in this list. The introduction is a barrier reef Banu blurs considerably because the center of her books often tie themselves up in lengthy meditations on what is sideways or alongside the writing. Banu's thank you page of Ban, for example, spans 14 pages. Gratitude is a legible weight, like the thickness of a memory foam mattress. And then Banu quotes what didn't make it in from numbered rogue notebooks, um, and that's the final section of the book. So the thank yous don't even come last. They are too thickly embedded. Banu's writing gets transmitted at times from handwritten pages. Um, I have fond memories of watching uh, Banu perform uh, where her writing looked completely illegible um, from layers of notation that resembled a tree that's gone through its season but keeps the really colorful fallen leaves sort of floating around and glued and attached to whatever its body must shed. Banu writes, I want to reimagine the boundary. This often includes confessions of process in the assembly line of revision. There is a subject or a title to one section of Bonn called auto-sacrifice, and then the confession, yes, yes, I know AWP is not cool. I don't even know what AWP, actually with the acronym, Associated Writers Programs. Anyway, it's not cool. Other robust obsessions for Banu are cyborgs, monsters, the immigrant versus the emigrant, the schizophrenia trail throughout titles, or subject headings, and it's always refiguring the flatness of one starting point. She writes, what was in the work as an image had appeared beyond it as a scene. Please help me in welcoming Banu Kapil.
2: Thank you so much, Ariel with whom I last swam in the Pacific Ocean with a great white shark, so to speak. Um, Well, it's a little uh, daunting to be here with you, and yet here I am with you. How will I get through the next 20 minutes? How will you get through the next 20 minutes? Um, I find it very hard to write a poetry that I could set down at your feet like a glimmering, bleak bit of cloth and yet that is exactly what I have brought. I have brought some paper from Colorado that equally I could crumple up into difficult rosettes and stuff into your lapels with a flourish and without words and perhaps that would be the most true poetry I could present to you tonight because it would correspond so closely to the feeling in my body which is that I no longer quite feel like the poet that I came to this country to be. And nevertheless, here I am with you 12 years after I was last in this room reading with the beautiful Brenda Kultas next to the chimney or that thing, the fireplace. Um, and so in coming here, um, I realized that it was the very last night of um, Pitra Baksha, which is the Hindu festival of the dead, And so I began to think about that. It's a season that begins on September the 9th, 2014. This year, in other years it wouldn't. And ends at nightfall, which it is, quite dark, on September the 24th, 2014. Is it September? It's September the 24th, yeah. It's the new moon. And in thinking of this evening and this space, I began to think um, of the one who had passed on, who we celebrate tonight. And for me, here, and thinking of your poetry performance community, that is Akila Oliver, who was my colleague at the Jack Kerouac School of Disembodied Poetics, where I live, I beg your pardon, teach, um, in Boulder, Colorado. Um, She was my colleague there and taught through the body and through activities of mourning and writing. And so it is quite typical to consider what is a food that that person might relish. And in dwelling upon that, I think I only ever saw Aquila drink beer and consume cigarette after cigarette. Um, I remembered a very chilly February evening a very long time ago. I had recently divorced and um, I drove very fast, um, feeling a bit sort of miserable and boring, to a faculty reading. And uh, sat there horrified as one after another of my esteemed colleagues went up and read Passionate poetry for far and near beloveds, and I was like, "What is happening?" For in my lap, I was clutching um, a typical poetry of that time—a poetry of dismemberment. There were stomachs cut out, women tied to trees. Um, it was horrible, and uh, I was like, "What's going on?" Aquila went up and read Sappho fragments. I'm like, "Aquila, what's going on?" And she broke it to me that it was Valentine's Day, and that in fact, I was attending a Valentine's Day faculty reading. Um, and this led to what I think of as my first performance, a performance that did not go very well, nobody clapped at the end, it just involved Aquila laughing in the audience as it was happening and inviting me for my own artisanal beer next to a forest. Um, because she wasn't one to be ashamed or embarrassed about this sort of thing. And what the sort of thing was was that I just sort of like got myself onto the stage I just handed my terrible poems to Akila and luckily because Naropa is a Buddhist university there was like this ikebana and there were pink roses and I was like all right so I selected one and then horribly just stood at the back of the Buddhist banner silk stage area and um I I consumed this pink rose uh <laughs> eventually making it onto all fours where I dramatically regurgitated it. Um, and then like, luckily had some Gabriela Mistral poem that I read in a meaningful way. And I just <laughs> got off that stage and I was so humiliated. I felt so bad. Um, but as I said, Aquila um, did not give a toss. And so um, in memory of that and thinking that this is a performance night, um, but I did not have it in me to pour ox blood um, from the mid waist down. Um, neither um, could I get into the meat sack. Um, how can I put this? I just, um, I did not have it in me, as I said. But I did have it in me to ask one of Melissa Buzio's um, students from Pratt. Thank you, Melissa, as well, for being such a beautiful host for me in New York City and the coffee and so on every day, and taking me to something great called Spa Castle in Queens. On a side note, I too have been in the vagina cave. It was, it was really great, I have to say. I've come directly from there. Um, so one of um, uh, Melissa's beautiful students, and I know some of you are here in the audience, thank you so much for coming, um, stole um, a, a pink rose. It's now sort of a bit decayed because this happened yesterday. Um, a pink rose from the garden of Pratt Institute. Um, and so in honor of Aquila, I brought it... Doesn't seem quite the moment to eat it right now, but perhaps during my uh, reading, I'll work up to that. So, thank you very much. And I'm going to read, um, I'm not even going to read writing, um, but things that resemble writing and precede it um, and become it in time. I beg your pardon, I think Stephen Motica here, who's publishing the book. Sorry, um, Stephen. Um, I still haven't written the book, which I believe is gonna be published in a week. Um, That's all right. Um, And so I will read from it and work up to the consumption of the Pitra Paksha Rose in honor and memory of your friend and mine, Akila Oliver. Ban. One second. Um, Ariel, where are you? Oh, thank God. Ariel, I have two exit strategies um, for this reading. Um, And so at any point I can initiate protocol one um, and then just I'll look at you and then sort of make some like that or something and then I can get out there or if it seems okay, I can go straight through to the very bit, bit bitish. Yeah. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Or like near it, like just before it so I can like head for that exit. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the exit for the Bronx. Uh, now, due to my introductory m- remarks, I've dehydrated myself. Um, Melissa, would you please find my water in the unicorn backpack? I was meant to bring that in honor of Dynasty Handbag. I have a unicorn backpack commissioned by the Oakland A's. Thank you. And this is Melissa Buzio. <laughs> Melissa Buzio is like my best friend, and um, Ban, which is my book from Night Boat, um, corresponds entirely to Melissa's devastation, so that is gonna happen soon. All right. And I'm gonna begin with a quote. The purpose of avant-garde writing for people of color is to prove you are human. M. Nobese Philip from M. G. Roberts Scavenge Notes during Philip's lecture at Naropa University, summer writing program, 2013. Ban. Cobra notes for ban. I want a literature that is not made from literature. A girl walks home in the first minutes of a race riot before it might even be called that. The sound of breaking glass as equidistant as happening or coming from the street and from her home. What loops the ivy asphalt, glass girl combinations, abraded as it goes? I think too of the curved passing sound that has no fixed source. In a literature, what would happen to the girl? She fails to orient, to take another step. I understand. She is collapsing to her knees, then to her side in a sovereign position. Notes for ban 2012, a year of sacrifice and rupture. Murderous roses blossoming in the gardens of immigrant families with money problems. Citizens with a stash and so on. Eat a petal and die, die if you have to. See end gate, serpent gate, hole. I myself swivel around and crouch at the slightest unexpected sound. When she turned her face to the ivy, I saw a cube of bunched-up foil propped between the vines. Posture made a circuit from the ivy to her face, the London street a tiny jungle, dark blue and shimmering a bit from the gold-brown tights she was wearing beneath her skirt. A girl stops walking and lies down on a street in the opening moments of a riot. Why? At points, it rains. In a novel that no one writes or thinks of writing, the rain falls in lines and dots upon her. In the loose genetics of what makes this street real, the freezing cold vibrating weather sweeping through southeast England at 4 p.m. on an April afternoon is very painful. Sometimes there is a day, and sometimes there is a day reduced to its symbolic elements. A cup of broken glass, the queen's portrait on a thin bronze coin. Dosage, rain. This is why a raindrop indents the concrete with atomic intensity. This is why the dark green glossy leaves of the ivy are so green, multiple kinds of green, as night falls on the skirt, the outskirts of London, Les Bonlieu. Ban on Bonlieu, suburban a puff of diesel fumes on an orbital road. The country outside London with its old parks and labyrinths of rhododendron or azalea, futile and tropical pinks in a near constant downpour of green, black and silver rain. In the forest surrounding London, a light ice falls through the trees like glitter. A snake, aspen-colored, bright yellow with green stripes slips through the bracken, its pink eyes open, and black diamond-shaped irises blinking on then off. In frozen time, ancient beings emerge with the force of reptiles. In the forest, time and weather are so mixed up. A trope of bedtime stories, bottom-up processing, need. I need the snake to stop the news. This is the news. A girl's body is dressed and set, still yet trembling upon a rise in the forest. There are stars, now it's night. Time is coming on hard. The snake slips over her leg, her brown ankle. She's wearing shoes, maroon patent leather shoes with a low heel and three slim buckles, but no socks. Whoever dressed her was in a hurry. Imagine the scene. A forest outside of London, 10 p.m. An April snowfall, the ground still coppery, gold. A snake has escaped from time, a suburban aquarium. Volatile, starving, it senses a parallel self. The girl's body emitting a solar heat, absorbed in the course of a lifetime, but now discharging, pushing off. Without thought, below thought, it moves toward her, through the rusted trees. What is Ban? Ban is a mixture of dog shit and bitumen, ash scraped off the soles of running shoes, Puma, Reebok, Adidas. Looping the city, Ban is a warp of smoke, To summarize, she is the parts of something remixed as air. Integral rigid air, circa 1972 to 1979. She's a girl, a black girl, in an era when in solidarity, Caribbean and Asian Brits, self-defined as black, a black brown girl, encountered in the earliest hour of a race riot, or what will become one by nightfall. April the 23rd, 1979 by morning, anti-Nazi campaigner Blair Peach will be dead. It is in this sense a real day, though Ban is unreal. She's both dead and never living, the part that is of life that is never given an existence. What, for example, is born in England, but is never, not even on a cloudy day? English. Under what conditions is a birth not recognized as a birth? Answer, Ban. And from Ban, Bonlieu, the former hunting grounds of King Henry VIII, earth mounds, oaks split into several parts by a late-century lightning storm. These suburbs are in places leafy and industrial. The Nestlé factory spools a milky lilac effluent into the Grand Union Canal that runs between Hayes and Southall. Ban is nine, Ban is seven, Ban is 10, Ban is a girl walking home from school just as a protest starts to escalate. Pausing at the corner of the Uxbridge Road, she hears something, the far off sound of breaking glass. Is it coming from her home or is it coming from the street's distant clamor? Faced with these two sources of a sound she instinctively links to violence, the potential of violent acts, Ban lies down, She folds to the ground, this is syntax. Psychotic, fecal, neural, wild, the auto-sacrifice begins, endures the night, never stops, goes on. As even more time passes, as the image or instinct to form this image desiccates, I prop a mirror, then another, on the ground for ban. A cyclical and artificial light falls upon her in turn pink, gold, amber, then pink again. Do the mirrors deflect evil? Perhaps they protect her from a horde of boys with shaved heads. Or perhaps they illuminate in strings of weak light the part of the scene when these boys finally arrive. The left hand covered in a light blue ash. The ash is analgesic, data, soot. Though when it rains, man becomes lucine a bulk, A network of dirty lines that channels starlight, presence, boots. Someone walks towards her, for example, then around her, then away. I want to lie down in the place I am from, where this work is set, on the street I am from. In the rain, next to the ivy, as I did, on the border of Pakistan and India, the two Punjabs. Nobody sees someone do this. I want to feel it in my body, the root cause. A ghost makes a click, a whir, ban. Tongue, gr- tongue clicks and eye rolls as stronger triggers for psychosis than a race event, a race riot, and so on. The chair smashing over the head. My father was walking home once from the underground. That day, corporal punishment had become illegal in the UK. A boy in my father's class, an 11-year-old skinhead, smashed a chair over my father's head. He shouted, you can't touch me, Mr. Capil!" That night, on the way home, on foot from the station, my father was mugged. His briefcase was slashed with a knife. When he opened the door, my father was trembling lightly all over his body. He'd lost a shoe. My mother brought him a cup of hot ginger chai, and we sat next to him or opposite him on the blue sofa as he drank it in front of the gas fire, balancing the drink on his knees. We counted our green shield stamps. They came in sets of 10. Once they had accumulated, we went as a family to a storefront shop and submitted our booklet. We scanned the catalog to find it, a leather briefcase with a gold lock, a woman in a pale blue nylon mid-calf dress, went through a door to the back and got it, a replacement. It was lined with faded silk, the color of a bleached out summer rose. Why do some forms of violence strengthen the psyche rather than disrupting it? Radical modernity requires something of me. It requires me to write aesthetically about violence, to write the larger scene. Every day I try to write the race drop for Ban, the moment that her knees hit the ground. But at night I simply dream this. I dream of exiting a London underground stop at the interface a car would make with the M25. The commuters are processing around, what else, a roundabout? Their hands on imaginary steering wheels in a V position, their winged back loafers shuffling on the tarmac, the black road. They're playing a game. Evening editions of regional newspapers tucked sharply under their arms, The dream requires something of me. It requires me to acknowledge that my textual creature, Ban, is overwritten by a psychic history that is lucid, astringent, witty, no longer purely mine. Sometimes think I'm doing a very weak thing as a writer to incarnate a thing long gone. How can I write the body without writing it out of the time in which it belongs? I've been reading the occult final section of the Bhagavad Gita that was written just before Krishna died in which instructions for the afterlife, the forward movement of an imagined time, are clearly laid out. Who can I talk to about Asian vampires, about the capacity to bilocate? I need to catch the thousand-headed dots and bits of Ban, her circulating matter and black spots, to keep or trap on a glass pane a sooty mark or smudge. On the night of the riot, it rained a damp loop. I thought about the race clicks to make her, translated to the long line. In the United Kingdom, I noticed the tongue to soft palate tuts the older white customers made, turning their bodies away. When we entered a meat shop or other kind of place, a delicatessen, boutique. A whirr as the sentence fragments were sucked off, a ding as the doorbell chimed, orienting the shopkeeper to a new arrival, a customer, the beef. I thought or think of Ban, who would not go home nor continue on the street. This time, I don't go home. Like a person in an ancient pose, I lean in an L-shaped posture over the counter. Flat back, Rump displayed to any passerby, blood dripping down the backs of my thighs. They don't see me. I clean the street until all that's left is a ring of oily foam, the formal barrier of a bad snow. Are you sick and tired of running away? Then lie down. Invert yourself above a ditch beneath a bright blue sky. Is zinc an element? It's a sheen, spread it on the ankle of Ban. Is there a copper wire? Is there a groin? Make a mask for Ban.
0: Poetry Project has promoted, fostered, and inspired the reading and writing of contemporary poetry since 1966. Consider supporting us by checking out a reading, becoming a member, or donating at poetryproject.org.